Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Crossover Across Time podcast for our Wednesday episode for week five, our first episode before the Thanksgiving uh, weekend, I suppose. First of all, happy Thanksgiving. Uh, I know both of us are excited about it, uh, both of us being me, your host, Karsten. And uh, on Wednesday's show, instead of our normal Monday show, I'm joined by Wyatt. How are you doing today, Wyatt? I'm doing good, Karsten. I I'm grateful that we were able to shake things up this week because I had a crazy easy day on Monday. I was at work until seven and then my mom had flown in. So my wife had picked her up from the airport and we brought her down to where she lives. So I'm at my parents' house this week for Thanksgiving and got the whole rest of the week off work, which is nice. Yeah, absolutely. I fortunately I have the next couple of days off, got a four day weekend um, pretty excited about that. I'm going to be pretty close to where Wyatt's at a little bit a ways away. Uh, we of course grew up, went to high school together, but, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm excited as well. Grateful to, to be here with you and grateful to those who have uh, decided to tune in, uh, to all of you who are listening, whether you've been listening previously or you're brand new to the podcast, either way, uh, we especially thank you for your support. And again, we're, we're, we're grateful for, uh, what you do for the podcast. Um, let's, uh, that being said, let's go ahead and jump right into the show. We're going to have a somewhat abbreviated show. We're not doing as many segments as we normally did would do on a Wednesday. Um, but we're just going to cover a lot of information, get you set for the Thanksgiving weekend. And of course we won't be doing an episode on Friday. We'll be back on Monday, but we'll get to that a little bit later for now. Let's go ahead and jump into our five on five drill uh, six men and our key news segments. Okay, we're going to start off with our lone Monday game that we're going to focus on. Of course, with Tuesday last night being a in-season tournament game again, a lot of the focus was on that. So uh, we only are focusing on one game from Monday, and that was the Charlotte Hornets winning at home against, of all teams, the Boston Celtics, who had been on a six or seven game win streak, it felt like. They were, uh, in my most recent power rankings at least, the top team in the league still um and they lose to the hornets who have been not the top team in the league so far but uh credit to the <laughs> hornets for uh playing a strong game 121 to 118 your final score in an overtime affair uh took an overtime period to decide this one and the celtics you know they led most of the game as if they were the you know the team that uh we expected and then in the they even led by 10 midway through the fourth quarter um, and even later into the fourth quarter. And then suddenly the Hornets storm back, they tie it, they force overtime and the Hornets were able to, to steal a victory in a sense. Um, but also you look into the box scores a little bit more, they were a better rebounding team and they're a better uh, playmaking team than the Celtics. And they also shot a little bit better percentages, especially from the free throw line. Uh, for the game so not necessarily a fluke for the Hornets to win this one if you look at the whole game picture in that sort of sense um, the Celtics of course were aided by the heroics of Jason Tatum how about this 45 points 13 rebounds and six assists also with two blocks um, 15 of 28 from the floor including seven of 15 from three-point range 
that's a pretty stellar stat line. And outside of that, there was some production. I mean, Peyton Pritchard off the bench had 21 points, six boards and three assists, and he was five of eight from three point range outside of him. The most other points, the Celtics got was 17 out of Chris Epps Porzingis. He had eight boards and three blocks. Porzingis also happened to go one of eight from the three-point line. A little bit rough there. Jalen Brown, 13 points, missed all five of his three-point attempts. Drew Holiday, 11 points. So Tatum and Pritchard strong, especially Tatum, but some of the other guys struggling a little bit more. Um, and you wonder if Tatum had to do a little bit too much in this game in particular. Meanwhile, for the Hornets, um, not too much greater you know in comparison but Lamelo ball great game 36 points nine boards and eight assists a near triple double for him above 50 percent from the floor and he was five of 11 from three-point range two steals and a block as well you look at gordon hayward 20 points five boards four assists you got 14 points and 15 rebounds from miles bridges uh he's back in the lineup he debuted uh, not this game, but the game before, I believe, against the Bucks, his debut after more than a season of absence um, producing there. And Mark Williams, 18 points, 16 rebounds and three blocks wide. It looks like you adding him to your fantasy team is paying off a little bit. He's still playing solidly. And then uh, off the bench, PJ That's Washington, right. 15 points. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Not like I was the one who suggested that or anything, but uh, I digress. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, five guys in double figures similar to the Celtics. But uh, again, a little bit shooting better shooting percentages, uh, stronger games. uh, It felt like a little bit better defense, uh, especially in the steals category. And uh, again, credit to the Hornets. They they hung around close enough late and they made a run to force OT and then they got the job done in overtime. So um, a good win for them, especially where they've been still struggling to start this year. But it's still very early. There's plenty of time to to turn things around and launch yourselves up into the into the play in picture at the very least. Um, but overall, a great win for Charlotte. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and bounce things over to Wyatt. He's going to talk about our next game, our first of our four games we're going to focus on from Tuesday. Yeah, so I'm going to talk about another less surprising upset, but still an upset. Uh, Cleveland takes down uh, Philadelphia, Philadelphia being ranked third in the East and Cleveland being eighth. And the game was pretty dominated by Cleveland, uh, most of the time, the first half of the first quarter, they were close, and the second half, like the second half of the fourth quarter, they were close, and then overtime was close, and Cleveland ended up winning 122 to 119. So, our top performers in this game, uh, first of all, for the Cavs, Dean Wade. The very same D Wade. Just kidding. <laughs> I just thought it was funny because D Wade. Um, yeah, yeah. But he's Dean, not D. He actually did okay. He didn't score any points though, <laughs> so he didn't do that good. But he got eight rebounds, he, two assists, he, and three. He steals. did okay. That that's an amazing sentence. Why I have to stop us there. He did yeah. okay. He didn't score any <laughs> points, so he didn't do that okay. But I, I digress. Yeah. Outside of his point scoring. He had a he had a surprisingly okay stat line. Okay, so you. our actual our, our actual uh, top performers for Cleveland, we had Darius Garland with thirty two, 
uh, Jared Allen with 26, Max Struess with 20, and Evan Mobley with 18. Nang and Craig Porter also had uh, 12, were in double digits with 12 points. So good performances there. Garland also dished out eight assists, and Struess had six. And both of them playing defense as well with three steals and two steals, respectively. So good job, uh, good performances from the guards there. Uh, the centers did a good job with boards, 13 from Allen and uh, 12 from our forward Evan Mobley. Uh, and they also both got three assists. So pretty good performance by them. Um, and obviously they shared the scoring load well, which is something that is key in being a successful team. But when we look at the 76ers, they also shared the load pretty well. Uh, Embiid obviously led with 32 points, but Tyrese Maxey right behind him with 30. Tobias Harris had 23, and DeAnthony Melton had 13. So they had four guys in, in double digits, just one uh, or two less than uh, the Cavaliers, but you know two in the 30-point range. So uh, great performances by both teams as far as scoring goes. Embiid had 13 rebounds, but outside of him, it was a little uh, sparse. Robert Covington had the next most with seven. Uh, assists, Tyrese Maxey dished out six, and Embiid had five. And then uh, Joel Embiid also had a staggering five blocks. So great job, Joel Embiid. Uh, he also fouled out, though, so, you know. There's the risks. There's risks with uh going after the ball when you uh when you're down low. I yeah. experienced this multiple times. Uh and by multiple times I mean nearly every game in high school. <laughs> <laughs> as far as fouling out goes. But yeah, good job to the Cleveland Cavaliers <clears throat> getting a little bit of an upset here. Yeah, why uh yeah, definitely credit to the Cavs. Uh side note on Wyatt's high school career. Wyatt was sort of a resident Danny Fortson. And if you know who that is, <laughs> props to you. Um, I believe that's the name of the say I don't know. Who that is. <laughs> uh, he played for the Supersonics in the 2000s. I feel like I think he's the guy I'm thinking of who had one of the highest fouls per game averages I've seen. Um, but a quick shout out before I move on to the next game. Uh Craig Porter, undrafted rookie out of Wichita State, 12 points, nine assists. You mentioned that uh, in the previous game, he had like 20 something points. He's emerged as a nice little point guard, especially with some depth concerns for them. So definitely like to see that. Um, But yeah, otherwise great win for Cleveland. Let's jump to that next game. The uh, high scoring affair between the Indiana Pacers and the Atlanta Hawks with the Hawks hosting this game and uh, the Pacers win this one 157 to 152 combining for 309 points in this game wild and especially with the hawks leading by as much as 20 points in the second quarter the pacers brought it back they led by as many as 13 in the fourth before the hawks tied it again or actually took the lead late in the fourth so a pretty wild game a high scoring game as we said 
both teams shot at least 60% from the floor and at least 48% from three-point range. That is just about wow. as good as it gets for the offensive side of the basketball. Let's look at the scoring side, uh, or at least the player scoring side. We're going to start with the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, six guys in double figures with three of those being 25 points or more, or 26 points or more, starting with Trey Young, 38 points, eight assists, and three steals. Uh, 76% from the floor and five out of eight from the three-point line. DeJounte Murray with 28 points, five assists and two steals, four of six from three. And then off the bench, Bogdan Bogdanovich, 26 points uh, and 66% from the floor overall. Pretty stellar offense from those three guys. Around them, you got 17 and seven boards from Jalen Johnson, who continues to be a nice piece for them this season. Uh, 14 points for Clint Capella, and then 12 points, 10 boards for Sadiq Bey coming off the bench as well. Meanwhile, for the victorious Pacers, they got a another amazing game from Tyrese Halliburton. 37 points, 16 assists, and three steals. 9 of 15 from three-point range, um, and 60% from three, 61% overall. And how about this? Zero uh, fouls in this one. I was about to say zero turnovers because I thought he had done it again, but he did have six turnovers, but still 16 to six. That's a pretty solid ratio. Pretty great game all around Uh, supporting him in this one. Buddy healed 24 points and he was six for six from three point range Uh, off the bench. Obi Toppin with 21 points and six assists. He's been getting a lot more uh, offensive workload and I'd like to see that he's a player. I enjoy Aaron Neesmith with 17 points uh, starting Obi Toppin's 21 was off the bench, as was Benedict Matherin's 19. And then they got uh, 13 from Bruce Brown, and then 11 points, 9 rebounds, and 4 blocks from Miles Turner. Stellar offense all around on both sides of the basketball. The uh, Pacers get the win, and they were the first team in the in-season tournament uh, existence because they had played before the Lakers. They were the first team to clinch a spot in the in-season tournament officially. So congratulations to the Indiana Pacers. They're awaiting the remaining three teams in the Eastern Conference. And uh, it's going to be a little while, you know, at least till uh, Friday or maybe even the the next Tuesday to find out the other teams there. However, we're going to talk our last couple of games about some West results and why it's going to start us off with the first of those two games. Yep, so... Looking at the Phoenix Suns and Portland Trail Blazers game, it was a probably not surprising win by Phoenix. Uh, even though they had a bit of a rocky start, Phoenix seems to be the obviously the better team here, and it showed tonight. Uh, you know, last night when they played, they kind of dominated most of the stats the entire game. They led except for the very beginning, uh, leading by as much as eighteen points. Uh, only three lead changes the entire game. So, uh, if we look, if we look at the comparison between the two teams, uh, the Suns out rebounded. They had more assists, equal steals. They both had eight steals, but they got more blocks, had equal turnovers, and then their field goal percentage was fifty six point six and three point. They actually were edged out by Portland shooting 41 from the field compared to Portland's 45. So, uh, yeah, there was about one category where 
Portland had the edge and everything else was in the Suns' favor, including 96.5% from the free throw line shooting as a team. So great job to uh, Phoenix for shooting the ball well and getting the scoring the free points there. If we go over to the box score uh, and look at our performers here, we'll start with uh, the winning team this time. Let's start with the Suns. So KD, he led in scoring with 31 points uh, in 37 minutes, which is impressive coming off of his like 46-minute game with double overtime um, against the Jazz on Sunday night. So played another 37 minutes, scoring 31 points, which I got to throw in here. During this game, he passed uh elvin hayes for 11th on career scoring so kevin durant chasing down the greats on the all-time scoring list and uh the trailblazers unfortunately were eliminated from the uh, in-season tournament in this loss so kevin durant kind of you know elevated himself and put down his (laughs) his adversary i guess uh, bullied him a little bit tonight. Uh, outside of KD, Yusuf Nurkic had 18 points. Devin Booker had 28. Nasir Little with 13. And Eric Gordon with 10. Uh, Booker being back has been a huge bolster for the, the Suns, for sure. Uh, even though he was 0 for 3 from the three-point line tonight. Uh he still contributed in other ways. Obviously, he had 28 points. He dished out six assists, got a few boards, a steal, a block, um, and also hit 10 out of 10 free throws. So he did a good job getting to the line and also shot nine out of 20 from the field. So uh, good job for him. Uh, KD shot two for two from the three-point line. So he stopped there wanting to finish with a perfect 100% from the free th- from the three point line wise man and uh <laughs> i'm sure that was the exact decision making process that that was his thought process he's like yeah. oh i'm 100% i made my first two i'm going to be done now um grace and allen also helped out with the assists dishing out five uh, and he got six boards nurkic got 12 uh, and KD had nine assists and four rebounds. So great job there. Just jump over to Portland. Uh, they had they were led by Jeremy Grant with 26. DeAndre eight and eight and had 18, which um, you know, I feel like he's kind of been hit or miss this season. Uh, I guess he maybe kind of always is a little bit, but I feel like it was a little bit better game for him tonight, even uh, the plus minus score shows otherwise. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon had 19, Shaden Sharp had 10, and so did oh boy, Duop, Duop yeah. Wreath. I believe I haven't 10. seen any other uh pronunciations yet. Okay, cool. We'll go with Duop. Um, outside of that, let's let's jump over to their shooting here. Jeremy Grant had. Went five for eight from the three point line, and Malcolm Brogdon four for five, contributing to the high overall team um, shooting from the three point line. So, 
props to Portland from their deep shooting to uh, last night. Jeremy Grant also had six assists and four rebounds. DeAndre Ayton had eight rebounds and four assists. Malcolm Brogdon dished out five. And outside of that, you know, nothing super exciting. Uh, Brogdon also had, uh, you know, two turnovers. But pretty pretty low on the turnovers overall besides Shaden Sharp had four, um, which – uh, kind of hurt them considering he had zero assists. Uh, otherwise, great job taking care of the ball tonight for last night for Portland, and uh, we'll go back to Karsten for our last game. Yep, absolutely. And a quick note on Durant: mentioned the passing of Elvin Hayes. Next up in his sights is tenth all time, which is currently held by Moses Malone chairman of the boards so definitely exciting to watch for that uh in regards to our final game uh Wyatt and I well I'd say we're both not that happy but then a player for this other team Wyatt generally likes to see play well we're talking the uh LA Lakers hosting the Utah Jazz in a pivotal one of the first of the really pivotal in-season tournament games uh, those two teams, of course, all the teams that play on the in-season tournament nights are in their own groups. But these two teams were the leading teams in West Group A, and uh, the Lakers come out on top. Not really much of a game, even 131 to 99, your final score in Los Angeles. Jazz couldn't even yeah. get to double figures there um, as the Jazz are still in the picture. Uh, the Lakers clinched a spot in the quarterfinals Uh uh, as did the Pacers, of course. So congratulations to the Lakers for that. Um, and yeah, as far as the game goes, the lead just get, got bigger and bigger throughout the game, and it really did not look good for Utah in any sense compared to the Lakers. Um, I mean, 38% from the floor, 25% from three. Um, that's going to be tough Ooh. to win any games when you're shooting like that. Um Looking at scores for the Jazz players, um, leading scorer, Omer Yurt7, coming off the bench, 16 minutes in this one, and he scored 18 points and grabbed six boards. Shout out to, to Omer. Um, hopefully he can be a solid uh, backup big for us, and he was in this game. Uh, other than that, John Collins, 15 points, uh, 14 points for Colin Sexton, 11 points for Simone Fontecchio. And 10 points for Larry Markin. Five guys in double figures. No one scoring more than 18. Um, Wait, did Clarkson? Did he Clarkson? Play? Seven points from Jordan Clarkson. Oh, man. Jordan Three Clarkson is so back. Like, he's either their superhero or he, you know, you wish he was off the court. <laughs> A little bit. Well, and especially more so this season. I feel like he's been more consistent in the past. But uh, yeah, definitely can be tough to watch sometimes, but he can be great when he's when he's on for sure. Uh, you know, Ochai Baji starting no points. Uh, Keontae George, nine points. He was three of 11 from the floor. Just nothing seemed to go right for the Jazz in this game. Um, meanwhile, for the Lakers, um, they didn't have to do much to match that, but uh, they had a pretty solid te- you know game as a team. Regardless, Anthony Davis, 26 points. 16 rebounds and four assists along with two steals in this game, 78% from the floor. They got 20 points from D'Angelo Russell, 
three of four from three point range for him. He also grabbed eight assists. Uh, and then off the bench, four guys off the bench in double figures, starting with Austin Reeves, 19 points, five boards, five assists, and three steals. 16 points for Christian Wood with eight rebounds. Uh, 12 points, six boards for Rui Hachimura. And then 10 points for Jackson Hayes. And then, by the way, LeBron James, 17 points, nine assists, seven boards. Not the greatest stat line. Three of five from three-point range, though. And one of those threes officially notched him 39,000 total uh, career points, which no one has ever reached that mark. Of course, he last season passed Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for the all-time scoring lead. Now the interesting thing is, can LeBron uh, reach 40,000? I think it's very possible and very likely that he does that. But uh, what elite company to be in 40,000 along with the assists and the the rebounds, you know, at this point, it kind of goes without saying, um, he also at some point moved up, uh, recently, I want to say in career three pointers. And we did talk about it. It was Jason Terry that he passed, but, um, yeah, just a great all round night for the Lakers, a great game for the team, for LeBron, the history books, they clinch a spot in the tournament and the jazz with that loss, not only that loss, but also the Suns winning and beating the trailblazers. The jazz are in a very, uh, shaky situation when it comes to the playing tournament, but that's our five on five drill. We'll talk about the playing tournament. I think they're out, aren't they? They're not quite out. They're still not in quite the out. Picture. Oh, okay. So, uh, but it'll definitely be interesting to to watch. But we'll talk a little more in depth on the tournament in just a moment. For now, let's run through real quick the uh, remaining numbers and or uh, game excuse me, game results, so we didn't really have a chance to go more in detail on. From Monday, a slew of games we couldn't talk about uh, or just didn't really have the time for. Uh, The Milwaukee Bucks won in Washington against the Wizards, 142 to 129. Not a huge surprise. Giannis with 42 points, 13 boards and eight assists and a very strong game overall. Uh, The Denver Nuggets won a surprisingly close game in Detroit against the Pistons, 107 to 103. Uh, Both Michael Malone and Nikola Jokic were ejected in this game in the first half. They had complaints about officiating. Jokic got a T and then got ejected. Uh, there was different calls that were contested throughout. Close game, but Reggie Jackson able to help him out. He had 21 points and six assists, and they get the win in Detroit. Um, the LA Clippers won in San Antonio against the Spurs, 124 to 99. The New Orleans Pelicans won at home against the Sacramento Kings, 129 to 93. The Minnesota Timberwolves won at home against the New York Knicks, 117 to 100. Uh, Miami, the Heat won in Chicago against the Bulls, 118 to 100. And then uh, the Golden State Warriors finally won at home after a little bit of a losing streak. To uh, they won against the Houston Rockets, 121 to 116. Uh, strong stat lines from both Alperen Shangoon who had 30 points, 13 boards, and five assists, as well as Stephen Curry, who totaled 32 points in this game, really shouldering a lot of the workload for the Warriors, as has been the case in the last couple of seasons. And then finally, Tuesday, there was in one in-season tournament game we didn't have a chance to talk about, and that was the Orlando Magic winning at home against the Toronto Raptors, 126-107 to 107 in that game, um, and a solid win for the Magic. Now let's, as we said, Real quick check on the in-season tournament picture, the standings, what the next uh, couple of days are kind of going to look like. Of course, we mentioned the Pacers have clinched a spot 
and uh, the Lakers have clinched a spot. And uh, you know what, what you are correct about the jazz being eliminated. I misspoke. I, I checked this just last night and it was after the jazz <laughs> had already lost and it didn't say they were eliminated quite yet. Um, <clears throat> two and two, huh. I suppose that they are now. Um, so yeah, the jazz, the West group, a, most of that is already almost decided. Kinda rough. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the jazz, the trailblazers and the grizzlies are all eliminated. The Lakers clinched it. The Suns are still up for that wild card spot. One of the two wild card spots in the West, the Spurs have been eliminated. Uh, the wizards have been eliminated. Again, the Pacers clinched and the Pistons have been eliminated. So a lot of spots still up for grabs. How about uh, this one that we've mentioned already on the podcast, but I'm going to say it again just because it's very intriguing. How about, um, let's see, was it Celtics and Nets? Uh, maybe not. It was, now, now I can't find the game that I was thinking about. I wanted to say it involved the Heat. Um, yeah, there we go. Bucks Heat, they will play each other in their fourth games, respectively, and they're 2-0 and in their uh, group at the moment. Each of them are. So they could very well go into that game, both 3-0, and hoping to clinch their division or their, clinch their group with a win in, ga- in the fourth game they'll play in in-season tournament play. So that's exciting to watch. But yeah, West Group A almost all decided. That's the, the big update there. And again, Wyatt, I apologize. I did not realize that. And uh, <laughs> it's all good. And that is very depressing to think about. And especially because they had like a plus 20 point differential going into that game. So even if they lost, they still could have had a nice point differential to maybe somewhat keep in the, the hunt. But uh, right. not the case. They just had like the worst offensive night you could imagine. And uh you know, kind of the story of the season so far, but we definitely don't want to get too much into our own uh, jazz complaints. So with that, we'll real quick cover our couple of news items. And it really is just a couple, two news items this week. Uh, And the first of those is the Atlanta Hawks are partnering with the YMCA of Metro Atlanta specifically for their Jersey patch this season. I think that's a fun one, especially, you know, YMCA, uh, meaning to a lot of communities, uh, sports specifically. I feel like that's a no-brainer pick, uh, and everyone loves the YMCA, uh, especially the song, so good stuff there. And then a transaction to note, the Portland Trailblazers are signing center uh, Ibu uh, Baji, hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly, to a two-way contract. Um, And now that would make four two-way spots, so I imagine they're going to release somebody. Uh, no word from what I saw as to who that other two-way deal is that they're going to release, but that is your transactional note. And that's it for our key news, our summaries, our, our six men, all that good, good stuff, our, our five-on-five drill. With that, as I mentioned, we're doing a little bit of a shorter show. Um, we're going to skip the game segments for this week, um, and we're going to go ahead and move on to uh, both of our weekly predictions for this week. We play predictions. All right. Why I'm actually going to let you start uh, if you can with your weekly prediction. I know we both kind of took some time 
we weren't sure where to start. It seems like a lot of the weeks it's like, well, uh, you know, where, what am I thinking as far as a prediction, but we can usually find something interesting that we think uh, is a possibility. Um, but that being said, Wyatt, let's hear yours first. What are you thinking as far as a weekly prediction is concerned? Yeah, mine's mine is regarding a team, a team who may be coming into the season. Uh, you know, they definitely picked up, you know, improved over the the you know gap between the two seasons and probably expected some improvement. But I think we all still kind of expected them to be a bottom uh kind of a bottom rung team. But so far the Oklahoma City Thunder have been pretty impressive. Uh they I think are ranked third or fifth in the West. Like, I think they're third in the West, aren't they? They might even be a little bit no yeah they're tied for second actually well they're a game behind uh the nuggets due to probably some tiebreaker but they're third at the moment but the same 10 and 4 record okay so yeah pretty impressive standing in the west right now and you know so my my prediction is maybe not that outlandish but i am saying okc will be a top 5 team in the west going into the playoffs which okay. right now, obviously, that's the case. But there's also been some sleepers. We got the Suns. We got the the uh, um, Warriors that have been kind of lower on uh, the standings than we might expect them to be come playoff time. Um, who else was I thinking of? Clippers, you know, stacked team potentially could move on up and so you know between those teams and, oh and the lakers which is also outside of the top five right now they you know there is it definitely wouldn't be surprising if they were bumped out but you know i think they i think they might hold on to a spot in there in the top five okay no i i like that one and i get what you're saying about there's a lot of teams that have had rough starts but you know, credit the Thunder for having the early season momentum and getting the early lead. You know, once you have the momentum going, um, it's harder to, you know, I feel like it's harder to make that adjustment to, to lock in and start winning games versus you're already winning games. I mean, that's probably a given, but they're, they're in good position to maintain that spot compared to teams that have had, uh, rougher starts overall. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't see that, um, being too much of an overreaction. Um, and like you said, maybe over exceeding what we expected of them going into the season, we thought for sure they would continue to grow as a young team, but definitely a hot start. Um, so yeah, I think that's a solid one. My prediction is actually a team that's trending in the opposite direction, and I feel bad about it because I, I like to see this team do well. I like to see most all the teams do well, honestly. But I wanted to talk about um, a team that has lost 11 straight games in the uh, 12. 12 straight games. Got to throw it out there, yeah. <laughs> the Detroit Pistons? Yep. Yeah. The Is it really 12? It really is, yeah. Oh my gosh. As sad as that is, <laughs> it's true. Oh, you're right. Oh wow. So they were two and one, and now they're two and thirteen. 
my prediction is the Detroit Pistons will win less than 17 games this season. And I picked that number <laughs> because I was looking through the past, let's say seven or eight seasons, something approximating that. I went back to the year that the Sixers won 10 games and lost 72. I don't think the Pistons are that bad, but since that point, discounting the 2020 season, that was an abbreviated year. Uh, and similarly, the 2021 season, uh, discounting those, the lowest win total a team has had in any of those other seasons is 17. And the Pistons just look very rough. Again, 12-game losing streak. Uh, you really don't see that very much at all. Um, and I wanted to dive into some some more advanced stats to try and see why that's the case. Uh, if you want to look at points per game, well, just a quick note, the Pacers are six points per game or nearly six points per game ahead of second, um, and which is a huge separation. But the, the Pistons are fourth worst in points per game, so they're not scoring very much. Um, Three-point percentage, they're towards the bottom third, which isn't too bad. Uh, same goes for field goal percentage. Free throw percentage, they're actually a better free throw shooting team than most. So that's something to their credit. They're also one of the better rebounding teams um, and they're top 10 in assists. So there's some positives, but then there's a lot of things that look really bad. They're the worst team when it comes to turnovers. They turn the ball over uh, 17 and a half times a game compared to the best team, the Bulls. They turn it over 12 times, um, but they turn the ball over a lot. As far as steals go, they're second worst. They're not generating a ton of steals to uh, compensate or to compete with that. Uh, they get a middle, you know, an average amount of blocks, but they also get blocked a lot. They're fifth worst in blocks against. Um, they're also worst in the league by a good amount as far as personal fouls. They're fouling a ton in these games, getting the other team easy free throw opportunities, high percentage opportunities at the line. Um, they're second worst in personal fouls drawn, so they're not getting to the free throw line a lot. So even though they're shooting a great free throw percentage, they are uh, towards the bottom third in free throw attempts, and they just don't get fouls drawn anyways. And then you want to talk about plus minus about six worst. There's a lot of things to really nitpick here with the Pistons. And we talk about the month, the month of November. They haven't won in November. They're on a 12 game <laughs> winning streak. They haven't won in this month and it's Thanksgiving almost. So that's concerning. The percentages are down a little bit in that time span. Anyways, I want to see this team do well. And I feel like Cade Cunningham is, growing a little bit. I like Monty Williams as a coach. The roster makeup is a little weird. And I'm, you know, we maybe could have done this as a DEFCON level segment, but I'm almost concerned about the Pistons, you know, because there's bad teams in the past where we didn't necessarily see it coming as much or to that degree. And I don't want to say, you know, 2012 Bobcats or anything like that the team that went nine and 73 uh, or not quite nine and 73, but they had the lowest winning percentage in NBA history, but 
they look really bad. And that's where I'm going to leave it. I've given plenty of stats. That's my prediction. They're going to win less than 17 games as it currently stands because they just do not look very good at all. But that's my prediction. I don't know why your thoughts. I, I thought oh. your prediction was great, but yeah, <laughs> it's definitely no, I, harsh. I, I do think that's, uh, you know, a very realistic prediction. And I think that, you know, it's it's fun to hear the the, num- the numbers kind of behind it that support that. I, you know, I think we both hope that this prediction doesn't come true for the sake of the, uh, the Pistons and uh, Detroit fans. But yeah, I think you might've nailed it on the head there. <laughs> yeah. Well, and we'll see again, the same thing for the thunder, as far as like, you know, you don't want to make too early a, a prediction. We're yeah, just, sure. we're just about a fifth of the way through the season. So there's a lot of basketball left to be played, but early returns for the thunder are very exciting. For the Pistons, not so much. But um, with that, (laughs) I think, again, solid predictions. And, of course, we'll have these posted on our social media pages. So I'll take a second to uh, let you know about where to find us. If you look on Instagram or Facebook, you'll find us at Crossover Across Time. Pretty straightforward name there. On Twitter or X, whichever you prefer, we're actually at X Over Across Time. A little different name just because of the, uh, the character limit there. Uh, on all three of those, you'll also find in our bio a Linktree link, which will, of course, send you to all the other social media pages, but will also take you to the podcast itself. Of course, you're already listening, but if you don't know all the places we're available, we're on Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and uh, RSS.com. So definitely check us out on all those and support us in any way you can. We really appreciate that. Um, that being said, let's go ahead and jump into a lot of me reciting uh, channels, times, and matchups, because we're going to give you uh, a week forecast here. And uh, this doesn't actually include, or no, it does, because, uh, yeah, this is Thursday through Sunday, even though there's no games on Thursday. Again, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. We're excited about that. So no games on on Thanksgiving, especially with three NFL games. That's where most of your viewing audience is going to be tuned in, myself included. But that being said, on Friday, we're going to come back with 10 games, two of those, a ESPN doubleheader. And again, all the times that I will list for these games are in Eastern Standard Time. So keep that in mind as you're planning your schedule. That being said, firstly, at 730, the New York Knicks host the Miami Heat in a rematch of last year's playoffs. And then at 10 o'clock, the Golden State Warriors are hosting the San Antonio Spurs. Wembenyama in San Francisco, first time in the regular season against Stephen Curry. Uh, should be very exciting to watch, or I believe the first time in the regular season. Um, actually, they might have played in the group, the group play games, so I might have misspoke. But regardless, first time, second time, fourth time, uh, should be exciting to watch for. Your remaining games, you have a couple of games, especially the first one that are kind of matinee category. Uh, at 2.30, you have the Orlando Magic hosting the Boston Celtics. Uh, at 5 o'clock, you have the Memphis Grizzlies hosting the Phoenix Suns. And then you get into your more normal schedule game, 7.30, uh, Bulls at Raptors. Uh, four games at 8 o'clock, Kings at Timberwolves. Then the Milwaukee Bucks host the Washington Wizards. The Houston Rockets host the Denver Nuggets. And then the uh, Central Division matchup, the Detroit Pistons and in Indiana against the Pacers. And then a late game, 10.30, the LA Clippers 
host the New Orleans Pelicans. So those are your Friday games. Let's talk about Saturday, six games in total. These are all national broadcasts. Uh, first, or sorry, uh, one game is a national broadcast, and that's on NBA TV at 10.30, the LA Clippers hosting the Dallas Mavericks. And then you have five remaining games. At 5 o'clock, the Oklahoma City Thunder hosts the Philadelphia 76ers. At 6, the Miami Heat are in Brooklyn against the Nets. 7 o'clock, the Wizards host the Atlanta Hawks. 7.30, the Cleveland Cavaliers hosting the Los Angeles Lakers. Of course, always a small storyline, LeBron against the Cavs. Uh, And then at 9.30, the Utah Jazz hosts the New Orleans Pelicans. That's actually the first installment of Utah's. uh, They're doing a handful of decades nights in celebration of the Jazz's 50th season. That one is their first of them for the 70s night. Of course, playing New Orleans, very appropriate there. Um, but those are your Saturday games. Looking at Sunday, we have eight games, no national broadcasts. So all of these other games are going to be on League Pass or these team-specific networks. At 3.30, the Bucks host the Trailblazers in uh, Lillard's game against his former team. Uh, four games at six, Grizzlies at home against the Timberwolves, Hornets at Magic, Suns at Knicks, and Hawks at Celtics. Uh, Hawks-Celtics of those I think could be a sneaky good game, especially with, you know, Atlanta's potential, you know, kind of high fl- high floor, low uh, low floor, high ceiling maybe is a good way to phrase it. Uh, at 7.30, two games, uh, Cavs hosting the Raptors, and then also at 7.30, the Chicago Bulls in Brooklyn against the Nets. And then at 8 o'clock, the uh, Denver Nuggets host the San Antonio Spurs. So there's your Sunday night. And then finally, Monday night, we have five games, uh, two of those in NBA TV doubleheader. At 7 o'clock, the Philadelphia 76ers host the Los Angeles Lakers. And then at 10.30, the LA Clippers host the Denver Nuggets. The remaining games, three of them, the Pacers host the Trailblazers at 7. Also at 7, the Pistons host the Wizards. Uh, Not quite you know, NFL and tank bowl, but wizards pistons uh, could be the pistons best opportunity this week to try and break the losing streak. And then at nine o'clock, a rematch of that same game from Saturday, the Utah jazz hosting the new Orleans Pelicans. So a ton of matchups here, of course, with uh, four days of games to talk about plenty of games to find intrigue in as far as what I'm seeing. That's a standout. The ESPN doubleheader on Friday, I think, is going to be great. Uh, that Celtics Magic game, I think, is sneaky good. Uh, like I said, kind of a matinee type game on Friday. Uh, the both the Jazz games, you know, Pelicans have shown some moxie, but I think the Jazz can uh, hopefully steal a game or two there and try and start building some wins again after a lot of losses the last couple of weeks. Um, those are some games that stand out to me. Wyatt, I'm curious your thoughts, maybe a game or two that we haven't talked about that stands out to you a little bit. Yeah, that, that, uh, double header Monday night on NBA TV is looking pretty good to me. Lakers at 76ers and then the Nuggets in, uh, Los Angeles against the Clippers. I think both of those games will be pretty exciting, pretty fun to watch. Um, yeah, and then at Friday, Friday night, uh, I'm interested in watching the Kings. The Kings play the Timberwolves, uh, being two of the better teams in the West right now. Right. 
yeah, Kings Kings Timberwolves was going to be sneaky good as well. Not even sneaky yeah. good. I mean, that's just a straightforward top West teams, and it's exciting. It's like the the early two thousands again. The Kings and the Timberwolves, you know, think makes me think of Garnett and and Weber, you know, Mike Bibby and all those guys uh, should be exciting to watch uh, nonetheless. Yeah, great picks there, and again, a great weekend of basketball along with a great weekend of of food. So I think everyone's <laughs> looking forward to that. Um, and since we're looking so much looking forward to it, um, Wyatt mentioned he's already uh, traveled home for Thanksgiving. I We hopped on the podcast right after I got off work. I still have some packing to do, and I'm going to be driving down uh, pretty soon after this podcast is over. So we've covered everything we need to. Let's go ahead and get things wrapped up, starting with our This Day in History fact for you. And I thought this one was a fun one, although I'm realizing I might have done this last season on this day, but we're going to do it anyways. Uh, November 22nd, we're going back to 1950, so early days of the NBA. Uh, November 22nd of 1950, the Fort Wayne Pistons defeated the Minneapolis Lakers 19-18 to in Minneapolis in the lowest scoring game in NBA history, which is pretty wild. Uh, a lot of offensive ineptitude in this game um, and a little bit uh, relevant for the Pistons struggles, but I digress. Uh, even they were the one that won this, won this game that we're talking about. I wanted to pull up some stats because even if we did talk about this on an episode before, I don't think I ever pulled up stats. Um, you might think that it was common for games to be this low because it was so long ago. Not quite. I mean, teams were averaging more like in the 70s and 80s in points per game, definitely lower, but not quite the teens and the 20s in points per game. Uh, this was just bad uh, field goal percentage for the two teams. How about the Pistons shooting 30 percent from the floor and the Lakers shooting 22 percent from the floor? Leading scorers in this one, George Mikan for the Lakers with 15 points. Uh, he's 15 of their 15. 18. Yes. 15 of their 18. Uh, <laughs> wow. Outside of him, no one in this game on either side scored more than five. Uh, but the Pistons had the balanced attack five points from John Oldham or Oldham four points from Curly Armstrong, three points for both Larry Faust and Fred Schaus, um, or Schaus maybe. Uh, he was a head coach for the Lakers, actually, when they uh, – I believe he was the coach when they won the championship in uh, 72, but that's uh, a story for another time. Um, John Hargis and Jack Karras with two points each. Other scores for the Lakers, Bob Harrison, two points. Jim Pollard, one point. Um, yeah, that's bad. And there wasn't a lot of other stats either. Leading rebounders – the Pistons, Oldham, four rebounds. Mikan for the Lakers, four rebounds. But that doesn't but even make sense. Not, did they not shoot? Uh, they honestly, they did not. Total attempts, 18 attempts for the Lakers, 13 attempts for the Pistons. <laughs> what? But they, the Pistons did bizarre. attempt. The Pistons attempted 15 free throws. The Lakers attempted 17. Um, yeah, a different what area of they... basketball. How many minutes did they play? Were they? It was the same minutes. 
No, it wasn't. It was. What did they do the entire game? <laughs> they passed the ball. I don't think <laughs> okay. there was a shot clock at that time. So that Obviously. was probably part of it. They probably just passed the ball back and forth for two minutes and then attempted some terrible shot. Huh. That's so. Crazy. Yeah. A deep dive into a different era of basketball um, that as much as I like to be historically objective, that game in particular, no one wants that. But um, <laughs> I digress. That would that, not be fun to watch. No, definitely not. But uh, yeah, definitely a, a fun one to end on, I think. Uh, again, thanks to everyone for listening. We're especially grateful and appreciative around this time of year for your support on the podcast. Again, no episode Friday. We'll be back on Monday. And as I also mentioned on the last episode, uh, the next few weeks, we're going to try and maybe do some bonus episodes to get a little bit ahead on franchise focus, of course, because we'll need to do some bonus episodes outside of the normal weekly schedule. So be on the lookout for that. Um, I've said it a few times. I'll say it again. Thank you for listening. Uh, That's about it from us. We'll be back on uh, Monday as we return for week six of NBA action. Uh, Thanks again. We'll see you then.